pass from Havili was magic. The shift on for Crotty. Boom, far down you go, Quackett Smith. Me, oh my, I haven't enjoyed that. Yes, boy. Sit back, relax, put your belt on, and enjoy the show. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Draft Rugby Show, where we discuss fantasy rugby, the game they play online in heaven. Harry, that's myself. How did I enjoy the Super tra- tra- uh, Rugby Trans-Tasman final? I can tell you, not that much, because I was in Christchurch where the grand final should have been and was not. So that was a bit of a bummer. I'm here with Kargi and Nelson. Kargi, nothing of note for this week for you. Uh, Nelson, however, you've got 102 podcaps now. Congratulations, mate. That's pretty yeah. big. And uh, not pretty a great special. weekend for you on the fantasy footy front, but how are you going? Oh, mate, yeah, that 102 podcast, you know, notching that up, that's that's pretty great. That's the first real milestone, I think, uh, in all podcasts. Yeah. Uh, and over the weekend, you know, I feel pretty average, really. Like, up and down, I was quite quite frustrated through the game and then looked at some draft stats and thought I was up by a good 90 points. And then when the stats came in, it, it didn't go all my way. Another loss, another loss for the Dales. That's a bit of a bummer this this year. And Kargi, mate, welcome. I did allude to the fact that there's nothing important to talk about for you, so we'll stick with that uh, that line. How are you, mate? I'm pretty good, mate. Uh, like you, I did not compete in a fantasy rugby final, uh, although the big draft invitational that went on last week, uh, I noticed that you you were too too scared to come on the podcast after losing that one last weekend, and that's fair enough. I fled uh, the country, mate. After yeah, that. You, exactly. <laughs> I mean, understandable, but um, no, look, uh, Nels was um, checking the stats, for, uh, demanding a recount about every five minutes for the, the weekend for his fantasy I final. But um, I got that, yeah. mailing points don't count or something. Call the mailing points that <laughs> <had> him <laughs> yeah, That's it. But no, it was a close one. So well done, Nels. Had a good season, but just couldn't get there over the, uh, the final hurdle. And um, yes, no, my 100th cap today, boys. There it is, all three of us in the triple figures. Harry's still a little bitter from um, not being celebrated for his 100th cap. And um, look, I mean, I can't believe we've done 100 caps, really. Can you guys believe we've done 100 pods? It's huge. I don't know what you're talking about, mate. Nothing big for you to talk about this week. (laughs) Uh, Let's say the Royal Rumble, boys. I was on there the other night. Uh, The second Royal Rumble with a a host of other super rugby, Australian rugby podcasters. Good fun to have a big chat with those boys. So I think we've now posted that up on our podcast platforms as well yeah. so get up there and have a look and who was on there Harry? Harry? i was gonna say yeah shout out mate he's yeah. no worries he he drive. We to go to bed that was the greatest introduction we've ever had on this podcast and he's now just he's gonna move us swiftly along tonight i think you'll notice this is a thing but um no harry who who was on the pod with you come on mate. mate we had mitch from pick and drive we had uh behind the scenes and i was working full-time for the production value. That's why the video is so good quality. If you want to get onto the Pick and Drive uh, Facebook or YouTube or Twitter and have a look at the video, I, I would highly recommend it. Uh, and then we also had Matt from uh, the Gold Digger podcast and we had Rev Mitch from Rugby Fixation as well. So it was uh, a host of, uh, of rugby talent. enthusiasts just talking everything, rugby and wallabies and super rugby. It was good fun. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say, and you can, you can, of course, find us on YouTube as well uh, with our videos. And if you do, um, just for more context, <coughs> Nelson does look like he's now in a brothel with his, uh, that's not a Zoom background. Don't know why there's red curtains in his background. We uh, before we told him to move rooms because it actually looked before like he was in downtown Baghdad. Um, so I don't really know what's going on with your house where you live, Nels, but um, you've got like an assortment of pre-built Zoom backgrounds in your house. Like, I don't know how, how that works, but... Anyway, catch us on YouTube. It's it's good value. And look, lots I, of ideas at this house, mate. I normally ask people to like and subscribe, but the tactic I've gone at the moment is if you just give me your login <clears> details, <throat> I'll like and subscribe to the videos. Feel free to send those through as well. That's it, exactly. Um, and yeah, well, look, there was a game of rugby on the weekend. Uh, Nelson probably watched it more intently than either of us, Harry, although where did you watch it? I'm assuming some pub in uh, New Zealand somewhere. That would have been a fun experience. Yeah, mate, I, um, I went searching social media to try and find the best pub in New Zealand or in Christchurch rather to watch the footy. So there was a pretty cool pub in Christchurch that was just a, a big setup and um, was, was pretty packed out. Disappointingly, I think we probably suffered for the fact that there was no uh, Crusaders in the final, but there were a, a, still a hell of a lot of Highlanders fans mainly in there watching the game to create a bit of ambiance, which was pretty cool. 
And how much money did um, <clears throat> on that? How much money did both of you lose this season? I'm sure you put um, second mortgages on the Crusaders to take home Super Rugby transfers. I, I didn't, mate. I I put all my money on them to win Aotearoa, and I and it came off. I happily I did not double down on that <laughs> into Durant's Tasman. Yeah, I probably would have if I had time, but I didn't get a chance. I was going to say, before we move on as well, Harry, some of those uh, pictures of uh, New Zealand, of uh, particularly Queenstown and around where you got around, how um, how soon till you move over there, mate? Uh, it's got to be on the cards. Mate, as you're alluding to, it's an ugly country, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> it is. But no, it, it was awesome, mate. I, I, I really love my time and snuck in there between bubbles over uh, over there at the moment as well. So I managed to get in just for the one week, basically, you're allowed to. So I don't know how I pulled that it's, one. But, it, it's yeah. lovely over there. I think the one issue with New Zealand is there's too many Kiwis over there and that just really lets it down. No one saw that coming. All right, well, let's move on and talk about some rugby. Uh, oh, look, we've got... Uh, up on the screen, if you're joining us on YouTube, uh, are we going to talk about the OG League final first then, I suppose? We'll give, we'll give it the one-minute summary that it deserves because the Kagi and I went in it and Nelson had a bad result. Congratulations to the back-to-back champ, uh, Chris oh. Nabung on our league. As you can see, it was a tight battle, 358 to 374, so he's come through and he's won two out of two comps he's played. So congratulations to him. Uh, Nelson with the graphics, very well done. I, I saw he was really keen to put the graphic together before the scores came out. <laughs> Once the scores did come out and he knew he wasn't winning, it took him a fair few days to to build the confidence and the guts to go up and put this together. So what well I pulled through. And, and we should note as well that, um, Nelson, I know how you feel, uh, Chrissy beating me in the grand final last year. So... Uh, Harry, we need Harry to be in the grand final next year, and uh, then he can get the, uh, the the three the three one. One one thing I pulled a few swifty moves uh, on Nabung during that one, and I think he he was reactive to me a lot of the time. And he said, "You know what? This is the first grand final that I feel like it's actually been hard." Last last year, he said it was in the bag, rookie drafting. I don't know if I see where that was going, but no, very good, Nels. Um, I think that will certainly round out the one-minute uh, spiel on the OG League Grand Final. So, yes, congrats to Chrissy and sucked into New Bum, the older brother who will, for another year, not re- uh, retain his name. And with that, let's move on to the game itself, the <laughs> Super Rugby Trans-Tasman Grand Final, the inaugural between the Blues and the Highlanders at home in Auckland. Uh, I think, what did they get? They ended up getting 30-odd <clears> thousand <throat> fans out to the game, which is pretty incredible. Yeah, 36, 36, 38, something like that. Yeah, very awesome. And uh, and the Blues, able to bring it home 23 to 15, all said and done, probably still celebrating over there in uh, in Auckland. And look, we we talked a lot about it last week. What was it? It was 18 years since they had last... No, sorry. More than no, 18 years, 2003. 18 years, yeah. Last one. And um, yeah, look, I mean, we were just talking about it wasn't the most riveting of grand finals. Uh I don't know if that's just because Harry and I weren't as invested as Nelson without uh, taking part in fantasy. But, um, no, I mean, as far as grand finals have gone in recent years, it wasn't the most riveting. But uh, I, I can tell you, Kagi, as someone in actually very heavily invested in the game, it was just frustrating. Like, I just wanted to see a bit more open footy. I wanted to see some attacking style mm-hmm. footy, not as many penalties. It, look, it, it wasn't a horrible game in, in the scheme of things, but it just – it didn't feel like the climax we needed after three different Super Rugby seasons, you know, competitions this year. But uh, good, good on the Blues, can the result. I think you probably saw the difference in gameplay because of how tight it was. You know, the Crusaders get up in the normal grand finals in the last five years and the gap opens up a little bit and all of a sudden there's the the drive for both teams to try and score, to try and be adventurous and score tries. Where in this one, it was so tight all the way through that no one wanted to make a mistake. You could see the nerves were creeping in and they would just take the points on offer, especially through that second half. You know, credit to the Blues who still scored two tries, but there definitely was a different feeling to this kind of final that it was so neck and neck that neither team wanted to make a mistake and they just wanted to try and take those opportunistic points, which maybe not as entertaining as fans, neutral fans particularly. I'm sure the Blues fans had a great time. <laughs> yeah, so. That's true. And, and, and exactly, look, it was, it was pretty much exactly as we thought it was going to be in terms of... Uh, it was the power of the Blues. You have to say the Blues on uh, just looking at the team sheets. The the Blues. This is a Blues game to lose for mine. But we, you knew the Highlanders were just going to stay with them the whole game. And of course, the Highlanders didn't score a try. They just uh, kicked five, I think five from five penalty goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they were just able to look. I think they ended up. Also, they made twice the the tackles mm-hmm. that the Blues did. 
uh, and they were just able to, I guess, convert every of the few opportunities they got, even if it was just penalty goals, but the, whereas the Blues were just not able to, to make their chances count, I suppose. Yeah, Blues definitely had a lot more ball in that game. They had a lot more territory. Um, and they went, you know, I think they came and went up and down in, in waves. They had times where they seemed quite dominant early on. It fell away from them and then they sort of got a bit of you know, ascendancy back at a, a point later in that game. But the Highlanders snuck through, got a little bit of a lead for a short period of time and then lost that and, and their dreams slipped by. Yeah, did they actually? Did they get a lead up as well? I forgot that they they did. They didn't did. They? One, they got yeah. like one point ahead or something. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, yeah, look, I mean, I think this one, in summarising, was is thirteen six at half time. It was pretty much mainly the Blues just dominating in the first half, all the uh, possession and territory. Um, but they again, they just couldn't convert. And then, as Nell said, the Highlanders came out in the second half absolutely firing. Um, and yeah, the but but the Blues just managed to come home strong. So. The, the, the crucial moment in this game for mine was, uh, well, the biggest moment was the the yellow card to Ash Dixon, mm. uh, co-captain Ash Dixon, that, uh, look, for all money, <laughs> that was a red card. Mm. <laughs> I think they probably still talk, even though they won, they're probably still talking about it in Auckland. Um, it was a shoulder to the face. Uh, and look, you know, all three of us are all for, you know, games not being ruined and watching more rugby. But, I mean, it is a, it's a clear mandate, player safety, and I just don't think it's it's not good enough for referees to be scared to make a call. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that you would understand perhaps a little more if it was a red card to the Blues and they were really scared of making that decision in Auckland. But uh, it was the Highlanders. So, I don't know. For, for mine, that wasn't good enough. That was a clear red card. We do have in Super Rugby Trans-Tasman the 20 minutes off and you can then replace that player. So, it wouldn't. it's not a be-all, end-all, despite it being still pretty significant. But... Um, yeah, anyway, I mean, it's still a yellow card. It didn't really, I guess, slow down the Blues. Like I said, it was still the Blues all the first half, and that it, that card was um, – oh, sorry. <laughs> the card was oh, to yeah. the Highlanders. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's still somehow the Highlanders managed to lift is what I meant um, and, and kind of prevent the Blues from capitalising too much on that. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. For, we could talk about it forever, but it was a red card for mine. Nelson, um, let, let's go to you. The end score was 23-15. We talked about your narrow fantasy footy loss. I'm sure you're obsessed about that. Talk to us about your moment of the match and, and what you were kind of looking out for. Um, look, I, I think one of the big things for me is uh, I thought Satutu was going to be a pretty influential player. I had him both, him and, and Akira Yuwani. I just thought those two boys would... You know, you got a lot of ball in hand. Uh, Sotutu early on in the game was relatively quiet. Um, there was a few moments that he started to build himself back into the game. And, look, this is probably more of a heartbreaking moment for me, really. He was the top was, scorer for the record in the game. He, he, he was, was, he was. Yeah, so you're asking a lot to be complaining about picking the guy that was the top scorer. <laughs> he got the most points on the way. There's a clear moment that is my, my dream chattering moment. And that's when he basically got over the line, reached out and dropped the ball. And, I mean, not only did he lose the points for getting that try, he also lost points for dropping the ball and turning it over. So that was my uh, season, I think, right there. If yeah. he just held the ball... It could have been all different, but Nelson, you're gonna, you're gonna feel this again next year because I can tell you that that's the exact same thing that happened to me losing last year. That was when I don't know if you guys remember Tavita Kurandrani, the choo choo, was running across the line in the corner and just plain dropped the ball with no one on him, and that caused me to lose also against Chrissy last year. So, mate, he's, lucky. Thing, mate. he's a like, lucky man. <laughs> yeah, Chrissy, uh, Chrissy's paying someone on the side. That's what's clear. Yeah, it's the fantasy gods. So, all right. So, we've said Hoskins was the fantasy man of the match, but um, Harry, I believe your moment of the match was also uh, around Hoskins two-two, but probably in a better light. It was, man. I, I thought he was massive all the way through this game, and it's been good to see his form build all the way through Super Rugby this season. I thought he was good over the ball, but my highlight for the game was when he made that pick and drive line break late in the second half, so which good. ended up leading to the final try of the game. Sadly for Nelson, he didn't get there himself, whereas there was definitely a moment where I thought he might. But it was because of him that Blake Gibson dove over. I think it might have been two yep. phases later. So that that was the big turning point for me. And it went from the Highlanders one point behind and a real chance to out of touch. So huge moment. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely massive. If we look at the fantasy man, the matches you said it was him, he got 49 points, 11 carries, two line breaks, four tackle busts, an offload, and seven tackles. So I think he did insert himself into that game. But for me, it was in patches. Early Early, he seemed quiet, and he, he started to build back into that game, as did, I think, Akira Yuani. They started to, to get involved. But hmm. we'll just love to see a little bit more. <laughs> And Craig's um, your one will round this game out. What what did you find? Yeah, I was going to say, Matt, f- perfectly carrying on from you in terms of that try uh, and the conversion, putting that game out of touch. They were one point ahead, and with the try conversion, that put it eight. They put them eight points ahead, which meant two scores uh, with too little time, and that was off the back of for mine. <clears throat> we have a new ice man in town, Harry Plummer. Came on, uh, two kicks, nailed them both from pretty much the sideline. Cool as you like. Uh, I think if, you, if you're kicking goals like that in a Super Rugby final, you're the new Iceman. He's got the title for Mike, so um, pretty incredible from him. It was. I think uh, the Highlanders got five from five as well. I think there was only one miss to the Blues. So there's ice all around, mate, ice all around. It was, it was for sure. And then, um, of course, there was Mitch, Mitch Hunt's uh, last-second drop goal. He just he forgot about this. He said, "Grab the scoreboard. Who cares? I'm going to go for a drop goal. No, no, he wants to get That was the right play, mate. You, no, you get those play, three you points. Kick that, you kick those points, you get another chance to score. No, no, I know it was the right play, but it's just kind of – it felt like even if he got it, you know, they had one chance left to – but I suppose what else could you do, right? If, no. if, you, if, you didn't get, if you didn't get it, then they had zero chances. But, yeah, exactly uh, right. Mean, let's, let's, Let's not say this is Matt Dunning esque, all right? Like <laughs> there was there was actually some good theory to that. That was the right call, right call. Yeah. All right, and uh, look through this. Uh, we've talked about the game a little bit. The stats, like we don't need to go through all of them, but the Blues just they dominated all stats. That tells the story, really. Possession, territory, and time in half was all around the mid sixty percent, sixty seven percent territory and time in opponents half. Uh, the big stats, so that you know they they made more carries, more meters. Tackle bus 31 to 8, line breaks 12 to 0. That's really the start of the game, I suppose. Um, and the Highlanders, I said earlier, making double the tackles 77 for the Blues, 143 for the Highlanders. Set piece was pretty tight, and penalties conceded was pretty even. So, um, yeah, it was really just. The Highlanders did a really good job at holding out the Blues. We must say that. So Yeah. If we roll on over to the other performers on this match, Alex Hodgman, another guy on my team, got 48. Rico Uwani got 44. Wait, did, you, Hunt, did you win or did you lose, Nels? Sorry, I forgot. Mitch, Mitch Hunt, he, he was in my team too. He got 41. Kurt Eklund, Akira Uwani, both mine. With Finlay Christie, got 37 points. So I got, I got five of those top seven. Wasn't enough. What, what happened to the rest of your team? Mate, how ridiculous. Five of the top seven. Then and Ricky happened to his teammate. Four points. Gregory won. Heem, 14. <laughs> Gil, that's what explains it. Yep, my back's, my back's Boys, let's, let's push on. Let's get to <clears throat> the main course. And for the main course, we're going to talk about uh, just quickly the Wallabies squad and uh, the All Blacks squad that was just announced on Monday. Uh, actually, it feels kind of like whilst the Wallabies squad was announced, I think it was a week ago Sunday, was it a week ago or was it this Sunday? Am I, yeah, am I getting that wrong? A week ago, mate. It was a week ago, yeah. Uh, yeah. It kind of feels like there's been a new Wallaby squad announced uh, today almost because uh, the training must have been so bloody hard and so tough uh, that half the players have been injured. So uh, very interesting with a whole bunch of young guns who are going to get the opportunity to step up for the country. Nels, why don't you take us through those injuries? Oh, mate, there's, there's a bit of a mix around with them. Like, I, I don't know how serious some of them are. Nick White, he's been ruled out for the rest or, or the, the entirety of the French tour um, with a knee injury. I think it was Matty Tamua. He's left camp currently. I, I'm not too sure what that injury was. Is it a shoulder or something? Yeah. Well, all, all I know is he has left camp, so that's not a good sign. But there's reports that he might be back in, as well as James O'Connor. He's got a, a bit of an niggling injury. But, look, he, he could be a good chance of playing in that first test as well. Um, we've still got um, Jake Gordon missing as well, which means if if we're looking at this halfback, no Nick White, we're going to possibly see Lonigan come in to get his first test debut with no Powell in the squad. So he might get called in as well. So, of course, that means Tate McDermott starting and yep. Lonergan on the bench, we think. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, mate, that's, 
That's what it's going to be, unless they bring Powell in and, and rush him above Lonergan, which wouldn't make a lot of sense. And, and uh, was uh, did I say Reese Hodge as well? Might also still mm-hmm. not be back. He no, no, it looks yeah, it looks like Reese Hodge should be back. Uh, right. he, he's in the group. He's training. He's taking his spot in that squad. Okay, huge. So yeah, anyway, that's a lot of the that's a lot of our veterans there. That's a lot of our experience, our leaders. Nick White, James O'Connor, Tamua, like kind of pivotal in uh, leading around the young backline. But um, Will Harrison in the squad yet? Yeah, look, I, I mean, if if we're having a bigger injury to to Moore or Jock, we actually could see him come into this squad, at least as a development player. They're going to need to carry another um, fly half unless they're going to use Hodge there, really. So, I don't know. I, I remember, I, I, think, I thought Hodge had quite there. a good game last year when he played at fly half. I think we were all quite pleasantly surprised. I think they didn't play off him a lot, to be honest. He, he did do a couple of positives mm-hmm. when he was there in that role, but they did seem to play, you know, around him. He was definitely a first receiver, but it wasn't all based off him. Mm-hmm. Um, he made some good choices, but, yeah, it's interesting. I don't think he's a 10. So, guys, I'll, I'll put this Wallaby squad back up on screen. Why don't we just have a good look? I know there's a lot of people discussing this, including us on the uh, the Royal Rumble podcast the other night, <laughs> show the other day. I was going to say, speaking of that, Harry, giving you a shout-out, mate, they, uh, the Royal Rumble pod, you guys put out a, a Twitter poll for uh, who your starting Wallaby side would be for game one in the France series. And uh, Harry, look, un- unlike fantasy this year, he was winning that by a landslide. So, um, and I have to say, I was—I uh, certainly thought Harry's was most in line with what I would pick. So, um, kudos there. I—I um, I think what this proves is that Nelson and I have a lot of Twitter accounts. We're at two uh, percent <laughs> of votes so far. Nelson and I quit work just so we could uh, we could go. And Nelson's been sick all day. It's been been an effective campaign. That's what I would say. But look, over to the Wallabies squad, we've talked about uh, at length in different places about who's in it. Let's, have you got uh, it up on screen? There we go. Let's talk about who is <clears throat> in it because that's what I want to talk about. Let's just have a quick groan about the people that we're missing. <laughs> um, look, I'll go first. Mm. Isaac Rodder. Now, yeah. I was thinking about this the other day. If he signs for the Waratahs, surely they pick him in the Wallaby squad, right? But he signed for the Western Force. Gone. I love the uh, the negativity there around it. But, look, apparently he's he's actually playing for them in their match against, I think it's the Bay of Plenty, is it? So he's just he's arrived back in Australia. I, I'm surprised they're not rushing him back into this squad, to be to be honest. But, yeah, who knows? Yeah, yeah he's definitely definitely bruised their relationship with not only with Brad Thorne, but obviously with uh, Rugby Australia as well. So there's some really good might, done there. Yeah, they might want him to earn it. What about you guys? Who are the, the players that are the biggest misses for you? Um, well, yeah. We're all overseas, to be honest. But um, do you some- there's, there's probably I – I don't know if there's a lot that really upsets me in, in this squad, to be fair. Uh, there's a bit of an eye to the future. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah, look, Liam, Liam Wright is is definitely a potential thing, as especially it's a it's a bigger squad, and I mean if you're picking Liam White or Liam Wright, sorry, or Lockie Swinton, yes, I, I think you can tell what they're going for here. They want to have that physicality, and I mean Swinton shapes up as that sort of player more than Liam Wright. I I really do like Liam Wright, but for me, I think he's going to get left behind a little bit by Mick Wright in the future as a as a seven option, and we, we do have some barnstorming six options as well. So I feel hard that he's hard done by, but I'm, I don't think it's too far off. I'd say, look, for mine, a uh, really easy one, Fergus Lee Warner. I think um, I, I certainly think that yep. he has done enough to be involved in that conversation and Great. I don't know. Look, I, I originally really liked Darcy Swain when he came onto the scene. He had a lot of skills uh, and he was very fast and mobile. But um, as is, I'm finding the case more and more with a lot of uh, super rugby and then international locks, their, uh, look, their role obviously predominantly is for the set piece. And uh, Darcy Swain, in putting on all this size, has really slowed down. Uh, and he's starting to, uh, dare I say, it's become more and more like he who shall not be named ever again on this podcast, Captain Mud, oh, wow. um, which is certainly a bit rough. But, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he's kind of just making more and more mistakes and less positive contributions for mine. So I, I don't know. But obviously Warner is a man who doesn't do anything but positive contributions. And uh, 
you know, we've talked a lot about how is it because he's not quite big enough to be a lock. He's a li- perhaps a little bit so. too small, but uh, for mine, I'd, I'd be I'd be happy to start him uh, or sorry to play him in the Wallaby squad uh, it, at lock. If sure. we if we want to gloss over or just like touch on a few of the other omissions, we've got no Pete Samu. I, I know he had injury through the back end of Super Rugby. I, I think he's Tasman. Yeah. Um, I mean, no Falao Faenga, no Jordan Ulisi. Mm. Um, pretty pretty big cause, but um, they were both left out of the, the squad early on in no the Joe year. Powell. No Joey Powell. No Trevor Hosea, Sarah Uru. Yeah, Trevor um, Hosea. I'd forgot about him, actually. That's a very interesting one. I think Hosea is quite a big big player to get left out, but yeah. it, it's interesting when you've got the likes of Darcy Swain and, and no Trevor Hosea after, I think, Trevor being in the, the squad last year and uh, they've brought in Sedeleki Tamani, who, he look, he, he's big, he's had a decent year, but do we see him making it into the final, into the Rugby World Cup and really being influential in that squad? No. <laughs> yeah, that's that's my answer. You know, like I, I think this is a time we should be building, and we've got a lot of physicality I, around that squad. I don't think we need Tamani in there. I think Tamani, look, what he can bring as well is um, he's obviously been playing in France for quite some time, uh, so he has played with a lot of the players and understands a lot of the French systems and whatnot. I think that's that mm-hmm. those insights can be useful. Uh, certainly, you don't have to be in the squad to provide all that, but I think that will help. But also, we just need a lock who does his job. You know, hard ball carrying. Uh, good at the set piece, so I'm I'm very happy to have Sidalecki Tamani in the team. Nick Frost, been a huge fan, but no, for mine, Nelson touched on a flat I sorry, Isaac Rodder. Yeah, as in who would I prefer? <laughs> yeah, hundred percent. I mean, yeah, just anyone that could be playing the oh, World Cup. Look, I, Man, I, I would prefer to have Isaac Rodder. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but no, I, I'm quite happy with Sidalecki Tamani. I just mean as opposed to you know if we don't have Rodder and whatnot, but. Uh, no, the other one, I was going to say Flau for Inga, you brought up. Um, I'm, yeah, quite surprised. I guess he's had a relatively quiet year. But um, for mine, like, he was right in the battle with Brandon Pying and Mosa for, you know, our, our top starting hooker. And I think he's certainly our most skillful hooker. Um, and so it's it seems easy to kind of forget, like, he's fallen away into mediocrity or something. Like, it's uh, he's a very good player that just hasn't been showing up recently. But uh, I don't know. I yeah. would still like to see him in the squad. He's definitely an interesting one because he's got quite a few caps. He's been there for for quite some time. And they're bringing in likes of two new hookers and Brendan Payangamosa, who's leaving. Feletti Kaitu has uncapped, Lockie Lonigan uncapped, and Brendan Payangamosa heading offshore. So he really was that player that, you know, could be that middle tier, you know, just behind Brendan Payangamosa with some experience. So when BPA heads offshore, are they just going to hand the jersey to Lonigan? What What are they going to do? Or Kai Tu? Um, well, it's interesting. You know, I love Nos Lonigan, but uh, he is he is still extremely young, and he's a player that you take away on the spring tour type of thing for okay. development. I don't know if we'll have a spring tour or whatnot, but um, yeah, it's really interesting for him to be thrown in so <clears> early. Normally, you kind of take two established hookers and then you, you bring in a third as a wild card type of thing, but um, bringing in well, two he, new hookers is huge. He, he for me, he's probably that third, you know, the wild card player in this squad to build for the future. I, I haven't seen enough to, to suggest that he'll be up to it in, in, in the scrums and in different parts of the field. Yes, he's amazing ball in hand. He's quick around the paddock and, and a very exciting young player. But there's no way you want this guy starting a Wallabies cap this year against the All Blacks. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there's just no chance. And Brendan Payangamosa is going to be that man. But no Felipe Kai too. And who have we had brought in? We've had what's his name from the Brumbies, the um, you know the the backup, the third choice, Billy Pollard. Billy, no, not Billy Pollard. Con- Connell McInerney. McInerney, yeah, been injured all year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it makes no sense to me either. I don't get it. And I, I think you need <clears throat> an experienced hooker in the squad, and I, I think what it does show is that. Um, where where the forwards coaches are going, they obviously have big wraps on Nos. That, that's and lastly, look, I know we want to move on, but just rounding out for mine, I know we have a wealth of uh, awesome front rowers. Super stoked to have <clears throat> Bell on the loose, Alatoa and Bonnefarmasili and Tupo on the right. Uh-huh. I mean, how good is that? But um, Harry Johnson Holmes, I think he's a, it's a tough one for him. Uh, I think he's been incredibly good. Uh, and yes, he's he's kind of switched to tight head to accommodate Angus Bell in the Tars. But, um, you know, for mine, he's probably our third loose head uh, in the country. Uh, he's, look, he's got to be up there. I, 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 
whenever you hear people talk about the Waratahs, this one of the positions they say is we, we need more props. And I don't think we need any starting props. I think, yes, we, you know, that second tier of player there would, would be great. We were into our third and fourth uh, prop choices. But mm-hmm. he, he's a great prop and he's still quite young. I think he's got lots of potential moving forward. But we've also got Tom Robertson, who, you know, has, has had a pretty decent season season for the force as well, has a bit of experience in the in a, in a Wallaby squad. So there's some props around Australia. It's true. Well, look, as Harry alluded to earlier, if uh, if you sign with the force, apparently you don't make the Wallaby squad. So that's just how that works. Yeah, just for like to money. Sorry, apart from Last, last player I'll say was for mine. Um, mm. You guys know I, I, I am not a massive Andy Muirhead fan, uh, but the pl- player who missed out, I don't know if he's injured. I think he's, well, I don't think he's injured. I think he's back, but Suliasi Vunivalu, as I said, let's throw him straight in there. Mate, he is absolutely he's injured. injured. He has a hammy tear because Harry Olsen decided to put a grubber through a few weeks ago. I was just testing the whole friend series. It had been too long to this podcast and I hadn't said his name. So I kind of just also wanted to throw it out there. You know? He's expected <clears> to be back for the for the rugby championship as well. So I think uh, Dave Rennie's thinking the same thing as you, mate. Don't worry about that. Because if I get my way, we'll rename the podcast the Suliasi Budavalu Fan Club Podcast. Um, but. Uh, well, yeah. boys, how about this? I just, I just want to have a little run through. He's going to be listed in this. This is a potential back line that's currently injured and away from this Wallaby squad at the moment. So you got Nick White with Jake Gordon on the bench. You got James O'Connor in the centres. You got um, Matt Tuumua and Isaiah Parisi on the wings. You got Vunavalu and Pattaya and Dane Havert Petty at fullback. That's a pretty experienced back line that is missing from this Wallaby squad. People keep talking about it's a young French side. They're, they're missing a lot of their talent. We and are m- missing bucket loads if we're missing those players. Absolutely. And I, and I don't want to go into start, like starting a conversation about overseas players and whatnot. Technically, he's not overseas right now, but Samu Karevi, who's in there playing sevens, just how good would he be to have right about now? He would absolutely yeah. tear the French to bits. He really yeah. would. I I hadn't even thought about him. Like, oh, no. I just don't think he's... I don't care, mate. Yeah. We, the problem we have right now is not centres. We've got Hunter Paisami at inside centre and Lenikata gets his chance at 13. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, Karevi's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. But who cares? I'm happy with those two there. If Karevi can play 10, I'm all for it. Look, like Lau Mark for the Hurricanes, and we talked about just playing him at 10, I'd, I'd play Karevi at 10. Fine, I don't care. As long as he's on the field, uh, works for me. But Guys, um, let, let's push. Can we? Uh, we'll have a really quick, brief look at the all-black side just so we can... announced on Monday. Yeah, just, just being listed. Uh, stick with me for a second and I'll get it to uh, show us on the screen. So can you guys see that one? We can see that now. And I think this is actually the first time Harry's seeing this squad. So there's four new names, Harry. I don't know if you can rifle through and find them for us, but... Um, I can... Uh, I'll do it for us if we want, boys. We've got Quintapaya. Ethan Blackadder, Finlay Christie, yep. Quintapaya. There you go. Well done. So... How about Finlay Christie, Scottish-born, first man that's Scottish-born in the All Black squad for a very long time, I'm sure. Yes. Uh, sorry, I was just taken back by how interesting that fact was. Um, hey, but... that's, that's nuts. Like, he's a little little ginger from Scot- Scotland and he's in the All Black squad. Yeah, how, how many Kiwis are playing for, um, for, for Scotland, though? There's Sean Maitland's over there. Yeah, because that's, oh, that's, that's not exciting. That happens all the time. Guys, can you, the other way around. Looking at the tens here, they've only picked Bodie and Richie. Like Joshua has dropped out of the squad, and <clears> we haven't bothered to replace him. That one is is one that stands Look, out to me. They've got David Havili, mate. I think it's because because they have Havili and they have um, D Mac, uh, uh, Damian McKenzie, both who can obviously play ten. Yeah. Um, Finlay Christie, for mine. Look, I'm, I'm sure you guys are super stoked. We've obviously talked <laughs> talked up Finlay Christie all year. That's pretty huge. But for mine. Um, Certainly tough on TJ Perinara. Like, yes, I understand he's been overseas and that's the cost of doing it. And I think TJ's tweeted out a few times um, uh, since the announcement. He's, he's saying, uh, you know, excited to to get back to where it all started. And, you know, he's going to play club rugby or ITM with, a, you know, absolute vigour, like you can imagine. Um, and he was just saying that, you know, uh, I think another tweet I saw him say was like, just, you know, control what you can control. So um, obviously yes. a lot of people know he's hurting, but um, yeah, that's... That's a rough one because he's got to be up there as one of the top halfbacks in the world. Him and Aaron Smith are about the same age. They're just doing a bit of succession planning. He'll be back. No worries whatsoever. I don't think it's worry too much. It's sure. also been seven weeks since he's played footy. You yeah. know, like 
bring them in back into New Zealand rugby, you know, let them get back into it. We, we, you don't need to rush him straight back in. Sure, he's got a good chance of being in the All Black squad moving forward, but I think Finlay Christie's earned it. Um, TJ Perinara has been offshore, hasn't played for a couple of months. Uh, yeah. There's nothing wrong with them and work his way back in. He might be in for the rugby championship. You know, this is only for a couple um, a couple matches. All right, now moving through the squad, I, I might go through some of the forwards just to put yeah, out the... Hold on, hold on. We're, we've done the other backs. Let's finish with the outside backs. Okay, all Three right, all right. outside backs from the Crusaders, including George Bridge. Couldn't make the bench at the Crusaders, but he's still there. Let's be honest, he was injured. That's why he wasn't making the bench at the Crusaders, Harry. Mate, he got dropped before that. No, mate. He was injured at the start of the year. He came back, he started, then he got injured again. That's exactly what happened to him this year. Fozzie probably rang up and went, Razor, mate, Fanganuku's killing it. Just um, I need you to rest the Rolls Royce, leave it in the garage. Bridge, uh, I need him for the All Blacks. I can't have anyone else getting injured. No Nareki either, guys. I thought that's pretty disappointing. Sure, he's better than Bridge this year. (laughs) <laughs> Look, I, I think so. Like he's he was the player I thought was going to sort of break that mold a little bit more as a as a winger for the All Blacks. He's got a kick to him. He's got a quite a developed game, not just a physical hard running game that you see from Clark um, and and Sever Reese. Um, obviously, no Caleb Clark. He's playing sevens this year as well. But I would just love to see Nareki get that crack. All right, I think Anton Leonard Brown. I was going to say Anton Leonard Brown's out injured. I'm fairly certain. So. Uh, it is going to be a, a choice between yeah Eno Havili and uh, Rico and Tapia. So Tapia, they've said they see as a definite twelve, and they don't have many specialist twelves, particularly with Lamarpe leaving. So it's certainly a bit sad for <laughs> Lamarpe that you feel like if he was sticking around, this would be the year that he'd be starting at twelve every game. So it's a rough break. Something doesn't work out like that for you. There's, there's, there's got to be there's got to be a good chance we see David Havili wearing a twelve jersey in the All Blacks this year. Guys, yeah. let, let's round this out with the forward pack, Kagi. Let's give us some say, look, hook it, no surprises there. Um, that's awesome. Props for mine. Yeah, I don't really see what all this hype about Ethan DeGroote is. Is there's for mine? There's plenty of good loose heads in the country uh, that Injured. I would have picked ahead of him. But um, the rest of the props that kind of explains themselves. There's no obviously offer to on a out injured as well. Um, the hey. locks. Brody Retallick is back. The world's best lock and. One of the probably only locks to win the you know, best rugby player in the world from the IRB in, I don't know what it was, 2014 or 15. Um, yeah, how good. Like, actually, as scared as I am of seeing him playing us, I'm also super keen to see him playing again. He has absolutely been tearing it up in Japan, as you can imagine, you know, just galloping for 50-metre tries and whatnot. Um, but He's been, yeah. been out of sight, out of mind. I, I feel like I've forgotten how he plays, you know. It's, it, it will be really good to see him play. And, hey, you brushed over it. Ethan DeGroote's in the squad. What about Aiden Ross? Didn't he have a phenomenal, phenomenal season for the Well, that's what I was saying. There's, there's plenty of props that I would pick ahead of Ethan, Ethan DeGroote. There's plenty of number ones. Um, oh, Tyrrell Lomax is in there as well. Give Aiden Ross a jersey. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't help but feel... There's a good chance he's in there from all that shit talking he did against um, the tongue and thought. Like that's the best thing I've seen him do all year. And I'm going to be thinking. I'm going to be thinking if we dig deep enough, there's got to be some relations, you know, family relations there or something. That's the only solution I can come up with. But um, no, look, pushing on. Um, super keen to see Brody Metallic, as I said, and the back row. Uh, I think it'd be interesting. What do we see the starting? I'll let Nelson answer this one. Uh, what does he see as the starting back row? But God, there's some players in that in that uh, loose forward list. There isn't there, Nelson? What do you what do you see as the starting back row? Test number one. Also, Mate, not the te- first. I'm going to go for the first Bledisloe, not the test against Fiji. They could roll out anything. Test Bledisloe number one. Who's your back row from those players there? Oh, mate, it's tough. It depends how they, they use Artie Severe, and I think that's basically what you, you build around. I think there's a good chance we could see someone like Ethan Blackadder getting a real good crack at that um, six jersey. Um, I, I think Dalton Papali has been great and, and could be wearing that sevens jersey if it's not Artie Severe. Um, and if Artie is playing number eight, it's you know got to be him starting with Hoskins Satutu as the other option. But so what's your starting three, Nelson? Yeah, I was going to say, for me or for the All Blacks? For me or what are the All Blacks going to pick? No, no, for you, what's your your starting three for the first bled aside this year? All three of us will pick it. Hoskins, Satutu, number eight. Artie Sevilla, number seven. And Shannon Frizzell or Kira, number six. 
There's no walls in this, mate. Harry, what have you got? Yeah, man, I'm I'm going Frizzell, Artie, Severian, Satutu as well. How can you go anything else? <laughs> Pretty hard yeah. to beat that. Uh, I actually thought you might consider a Luca Jacobson in the six jersey. I, I considered it, but those three have been in phenomenal <clears throat> yeah. form. Luke Jacobs, Jacobson's probably on my bench as the guy that can cover everything. Yeah, that's fair. True. Or, um, you, or you can bring on Papali'i from the bench. Artie Sevilla can push to, to six or eight as well. Yeah, I'm going to go Akira six. Uh, just my love for Akira will never end. Then so, seven to two to eight. Uh, because if they start Riku Yuani at 13, if you have both Yuanis on the field at the same time, it's fact that actually they play an extra 50% better. So that's um, that's yeah. what they'll be going for for mine. I think there's a good chance we see a lot of Ethan Blackadder this season. Hmm. But very good. Any players that we think missed out from looking at that list? Any apart? Uh, any Namape. Namape. Yep. Anyone else? Uh, no, Perry Perry Chicken. Perry Perry Chicken. I mean, look, they've got some pretty good locks. There's, yeah, it's very thin, the positions. I mean, we talked about props. Yeah, I think back row is Boshir, your, your man Boshir. Um, Josh Iwani, we talked about as well. There's a lot. There's a lot there. Sadly, they've got so much depth, but it sucks to be on the fringes. But I know. If any of those players miss out, want to come play for the Wallabies, uh, we will accept their. We'll give. We'll we'll rush through a citizenship, and um, they can play for us. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what comes after the main course, gentlemen? After the main course, of course, comes dessert. dessert. No, mate. Don't. <laughs> can we just cut him fully? Yeah, absolutely. What's it gonna do with that? Deserto. The uh the biggest sponsor in all of world rugby, Pilg Ice Cream, it's everywhere now. Uh just call all your local health food shops, all your local uh Woolworths, Coles, everything. IGAs, I believe, have it now as well. And if they don't, they're letting the team down and tell them to contact them immediately. And bringing yeah. in some new flavors. Rumors of uh, Pilk being the 2027 Rugby World Cup cheat, uh, main sponsor as well. Rumors, so. rumors at the yeah, moment. Rumors. I think they're really springboarding off the draft rugby podcast, but mm. uh, or show, I should say. Sorry, but let, let's kick on for dessert, fellas. I can see that Kagi still doesn't know the difference between dessert and desert on our notes, but let's keep going <laughs> regardless of that. The competition will look like next year in Super Rugby, guys. Well, this is an interesting question, isn't it? It's will we have, you know, last year we had two separate domestic competitions. This year we've had two separate domestic competitions and a combined trans-Tasman competition. You know, to me it would make sense to just follow that same format again this year. But what, look, what are the directions they could go? We could have two separate domestic competitions. That's let's not, it. Let's, let's not do that. They can yeah, go watch the Royal Rumble and they can go watch the graphics that explain all that really, really well. What's your ideal take on a competition for next year, Nelson, first? Look, I, I think a big thing is there's there's some clear issues at the moment there and Australia aren't super happy with it. We, we can see what our fan base really, really enjoyed and it was that domestic product. And for me, I, I think I would love to see a large part of the season being an all Aussie domestic comp and an all Kiwi domestic competition. You can bring in the Pacific Islander sides that Ndrua to come into Super Rugby AU and uh, Moana Pacifica to come into Super Rugby Aotearoa. Then there's got to be some form of crossover. I I don't mind if it's, you know, you've got pools that come across or it's the, the seven style platform like you guys were talking on um, on the other the other show about you've got your three tiers or if it's literally just a, a big crossover competition, bringing in the Kiwi teams, bringing in the South African teams, bringing in a couple of Japanese teams. For me, I think that's what I prefer. You have that sort of Champions Cup with all the Southern Hemisphere teams, all the top four from each country or whatever you want to do coming in and they can play a little round robin with their pool, two, three matches, and then the best of it go through into the playoffs. Yeah, and Kagi? I agree. Uh, I would like, look, I, I, I like the domestic competitions. Uh, I think, you know, Australian, <clears throat> the Australian rugby public needs Australian rugby teams winning games. Uh, and as we saw, I think we didn't touch on, but at the end of Super Rugby Trans-Tasman, uh, out of the 25 games between Australia and Kiwi sides, uh, 
Everyone the knows. Kiwi teams won <laughs> 23 of them, um, So, which none of us picked. I think Harry was probably the closest, the least optimistic of all of us. Interesting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think I would like to see the two domestic competitions and then, yeah, some type of... Um, uh, yeah, crossover exactly. I think uh, promotion relegation. I think is great. Uh, just kind of like our fantasy. Um, you mean Super Rugby Aotearoa and AU? Isn't that just promotion relegation? Top division is Aotearoa <laughs> second division. <laughs> <laughs> no, look, I don't know how how you would fit it into the fold, but um, I just I really do like the idea of some competition that has promotion and relegation because. Uh, it just gives the bottom team something to play for. It's kind of like the rules we have in our fantasy league that keeps the people at the bottom of the table still still trying. Um, but, yeah, I'm super excited for the Fijian and Drua and the Moana Pacifica. I think that's going to be awesome. Um, There's yeah. a lot of water to get under the bridge, I think, with Moana Pacifica and, and, you know, some of these issues between Australia and New Zealand at the moment. And uh, for me, it just means I don't think we're going to get a solid long-term platform in the next 12 months. I, I think it's a huge challenge for, for both say, of those I think the biggest teams. thing is that we just can't do Super Rugby Trans-Tasman again. This is the worst competition of so many ways. There's been yeah. some horrendous competitions out there in Super Rugby. This is the worst by mile. We had five awful in comparison, sorry, Aussie sides, Aussie sides versus five very strong Kiwi sides, and they just played each other five times with no domestic comp. So what that means is the weaker Australian sides played five incredibly tough games in a row, back to back to back to back to back, while the five Kiwi teams played five easy games in a row, and we <laughs> expected the Aussies to get better and better and compete, not get worn down and injured. And after then, serious amounts of injuries. Then after the Aussies and the Kiwis played each other, they had two Kiwis playing a grand final, despite the fact that three teams were undefeated. And then one team couldn't even make the finals playoff without losing a single game and having a foreign foreign against differential of over 100 points in five weeks. And then you had a Kiwi winner out of a Kiwi domestic game that never played each other in the comp. Like, what the hell? It's yeah, the it was, worst thing I've ever seen. There was, there was far too many issues. And I look, I, I don't think we will see the same again. There's a chance that if they do do something similar, they're going to carry over you know, your your matches from, oh. you know, previous on the year. That I, makes a difference. All that does it doesn't, is make the table it doesn't. a little bit nicer. It's a waste but of space. Re- realistically, realistically, I, I don't like that either. I think it does nothing. we, need to, we well, need to build on the domestic product and then have a fairer crossover competition. You don't need the Waratahs after getting pumped versus the Crusaders. It just does not need to happen. Give them a chance against a couple of the lesser teams. Put it into two pools. I don't care what it is. Have 14 pools and with all your other countries added into it. Just, it does not make sense. Yeah, fair. And I think, look, this is a good point for that to take us on to our next question, just kind of to segue into it about Rugby Australia chairman, uh, Hamish McLennan, talking about um, having a, a crossover competition, but that we need to have some type of draft for Super Rugby Trans-Tasman. And um, our, our initial thoughts on that mean that uh, we will end up with 10 teams filled with Kiwi players, which, uh, look, would be make for great rugby watching. I'd be super keen on that. Uh, I could watch the Kiwis uh, locally for me here, but not necessarily great for uh, Australian rugby in general, particularly the national side. Mm-hmm. I can see Nelson is he's tr- trying really hard to bite his lip here. He's definitely has some feelings about it. Uh, Nelson, why don't you take it away? Look, the, the only way that something along these lines could work, I don't think it is a draft because that would seem very odd. So top talent from New Zealand getting picked up by the worst teams in the comps, so the Aussie teams, and eventually we're going to have more and more Kiwis filling the Aussie sides. It should just be a lot. It's mainly just a lottery for the Australian, the Australian sides. They get to go in a lottery like, yes, we got Will Jordan. Woo! You know, it's like a random... See- <laughs> Seriously, that's what it's going to be like. It, it makes no sense whatsoever. So for me, uh, I I don't like it. I'm not against the idea of having, you know, we've already got uh, an allowance for foreign players. If those foreign players are allowed to be Kiwi and we don't extend and have more players, you know, like the Waratahs allowed one or two or whatever it is, sure, make them Kiwi and they can still be eligible for the All Blacks. That makes sense for me. But let's not bring more across and dilute our talent already and have more of our talented players heading offshore because we're, you know, putting someone in on top of them. It, it doesn't make sense to me. 
No, we're Harry, about three years off. If this goes through, we're about three years off Super Rugby becoming the Mitre 10 Cup in my eyes. Yeah. Yeah, it's not, it's not great. Um, I think for me the most telling thing, and this kind of combines everything we were just talking about, Dave Rennie just made a comment talking about the, uh, the difference in depth between Australia and New Zealand, just saying that um, if you had to have a Wallabies B, a C, a C team play a New Zealand C team, you'd have to think the Kiwi C team is going to win by a hell of a margin. Um, yeah. So I think but, that look, speaks if, volumes. If, if we then could bring home every talented player we have overseas – it would level it up a little bit as well. I'm not suggesting that's what we do. We have, we, I don't think we actually have a huge talent issue. We do compare to New Zealand because they're phenomenal, but we have a, a lack of an ability to keep those players in Australia. So we need a format that can make money, that will have viewers, that will have a strong base and grow moving forward. And I think that has to involve Japan in some way. And that's why I think this championship cup, champion style cup, whatever you want to call it, makes a lot of sense to me. You can include South African teams as well. There will be big viewers, and I'm sure you could sell that around the world. But in the meantime, we can build a domestic team. The only way I think our teams need to play New Zealand teams, every single one of them, is if New Zealand go, you know what, we've been telling you to get rid of teams. We think that's really mean. We're going to get another three or four teams. Done. Dilute their talent massively over you know, more sides, and all of a sudden it's another option that makes it you know, a, lot, a lot fairer. But they're still probably going to win. But I just, we cannot get rid of teams either. It's not, it's not on the cards for me. Yeah, and I, I guess, and, and something we won't go into now, but it, it comes to the broader discussion of what does Super Rugby mean and, and where does it fit for Australia and then what about the NRC? And I, I think that I guess it's just that those things all have to work together for Australian rugby at the moment. But I think we all agree that we can't play the Kiwis all the time because no fans watch the game when we're getting belted by 40 points a game, but we still want them involved and we still want some sort of tournament to have, the, have them going. I, I, I like the rugby settings tournament. And the kind of yeah, pools. And I also like the Champions Cup. They're my two. Yep. Cool. Excellent. All right. Well, look, I guess it's um, it's been a pretty exciting year with three Super Rugby seasons. Uh, hopefully, uh, we had an interesting for fantasy format this year, and I'm hoping we can just have a kind of whatever transpires next year, we just have a more straightforward season. Um, but, uh, yeah, certainly looking forward to what's going to happen next year. Uh, and I think for us, uh, look, I suspect we will perhaps continue to do a few more podcasts, particularly getting closer to the French series, things like that. But um, we promised this in previous years. Uh, and, uh, you know, we certainly have, have taken a break at the end of the Super Rugby season. Last year, we were good. Last year, we did like 42 episodes or something. We pushed on, did we? Yeah. Um, and look, I, I think one of the big things out of this is we enjoy speaking rugby, talking rugby. There's some exciting footy coming up in Australia and, and some exciting players. And yes, a lot of them are injured, but I think we're going to, we're going to keep the bug going. You know, I've got a bug to talk about rugby. So I'm going to spread it with you boys. Sounds good. Until next Covered. week then. Until Hooray. next week. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs>